Al started this new section on the gathering of the church. So Paul starts talking about what does it look like to be a gathered church. He talks about there's some gender roles, there's some talking about the Lord's Supper, and he continues that as we go into chapter 12 and chapter 14 today. And he focuses specifically on spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts is a subject that is tackled in different parts of Scripture. In the New Testament, we see Ephesians 4, uh, we see a list. We see in Romans 12, we see a list. In 1 Peter 4, we see a list or hospitality. And so there's a number of different places where Paul talks about spiritual gifts. Here, what he's focusing, what he seems to be focusing on is spiritual gifts that you might see as the church gathers together to meet for us. That would be on a Sunday. Now, the spiritual gifts are much broader than that. There's hospitality and there's administration. There's all sorts of different gifts that God gives his people. Um, But here, it seems that he's focusing a bit more on the gathering, on what we do as we gather together. So over the next two weeks, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And today, my hope is to kind of answer the question, broadly speaking, why do we bother with spiritual gifts? So if you've been with us for any amount of time, as in if you came today or have been any other week before, you'll have noticed there's times and opportunities. Albin or whoever's leading will encourage, Alid will encourage and give moments for us to come and bring spiritual gifts. And the question I hope to answer a little bit today is why bother? Why bother with spiritual gifts? Why bother? I know it can be something that can make us nervous. I think some of us will have had good experience of spiritual gifts. Some of us will have had negative experiences with spiritual gifts. And some of us probably find ourselves somewhere in the middle of that spectrum where we've had some great experiences and we've had some negative experiences. I, myself, I, the church is here really because of a spiritual gift that someone prophesied into my life. I've had some positive experiences and I've had some negative experiences, some things I've had to work through and, work and get over. And so I've, I've got a mixture. And so it's really important that we talk about this well. And so today, why bother? Next week, Nina will be here as well. And we're going to talk more specifically about how. How do we step out in spiritual gifts? Like, what do we actually do? And it's not completely official yet. I've not even spoken to the eldership team about this yet, but I was thinking possibly we could have a bit of an open, like if anyone's got some questions, there might be some questions that you have. And so we can give some points from 1 Corinthians 14, Paul's super practical and super clear, but then we might just have, we'll do that 15 minutes and then be like, okay, does anyone have any questions? And if no one has any questions, we can worship, which is great. But if there's some questions, maybe we'll have an opportunity to answer them. Seems like that might be an okay thing to do. Okay, Uh, but it it is really important uh, because some of us, it's, yeah, it's important because we maybe have had negative experiences, um, which is really similar to the Corinthian church. So when we look at the book of Corinth, when we read about the church in Corinth, what we notice is it is a church that is messy. There's all sorts of things going on. Right, And in those days, in the ancient days, in antiquity, to show that you were in touch with the divine, you would demonstrate that physically. 
And so you maybe would go around, sort of throwing your body around. So if you're walking down the street and you saw someone doing some strange movements with their body, almost out of control, or if you saw someone shouting in random languages, perhaps even made-up languages, what you would think when you see that person is that they must be in some way in touch with the divine. That God speaks to them in some way. And what happens with culture, and it happens today, it happened then, is that things just creep in. Culture just creeps into the church. And the church starts to look more like culture than what God has called the church to be, what Jesus has in mind for the church. And so that creeps in, the, 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 the demonstration of being overly spiritual. So people would stand up and just blurt out a tongue that no one would understand, and everyone would be confused. And as while that's happening, someone else would kind of stand up and just bring a teaching. And then as that person's teaching, someone else thinks, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I've got something better to say, and stands up and brings another teaching. And you've got all these people trying to out-spiritualize and over-spiritualize the, the other person to impress, to show, no, I am in touch with the divine. I am the spiritual one amongst you. I've got something more important to say. It was a real mess. And it's really interesting to see what Paul does with mess. It's really interesting to see what does he do when there's a problem. Because if I have a mess, if I have a problem, often what I will do is I will just get rid of it. I'll be like, it wasn't working. Let's just scrap it. Let's move on. This is working. You're doing this well. Which I'm trying to think in Corinth. What were they doing well? But you're doing this well. Focus on that. What Paul does is he doesn't say, this isn't working, let's get rid of it. Actually, he spends the, majority, the biggest amount of time in the letter focusing on spiritual gifts. So one subject, spiritual gifts, gets the most time. What does that say? Well, it says that for Paul, it was extremely important. Even though it was a real mess, it needed like people needed shaping up and sorting out, even though... It was super important for Paul. And so I think for us, as we start to wrestle with that question, why bother with spiritual gifts? There's a good reason. For Paul, this was priority. For Paul, he spent a lot of time trying to unravel the mess rather than throwing the mess outside. Because inside the mess, there is something that we need to find. There is something that we need to pursue. This is what Paul's saying. There's something here that you need to explore. So let's organize it. Let's get some order. Earlier on in the letter, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3.16. He asks this question. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Why bother with spiritual gifts? Specifically, these gifts that are aimed towards the gathered people. Well, because we are God's temple, this is foundational in answering the question, why? You are God's, we are God's temple, and his spirit dwells in us. And so when we look at hearing the prophetic, 
when we look at tongues and interpretations, when we look at these spiritual gifts, why do we bother with them? Well, because we are the temple of God. We are his dwelling place. This is the story of Scripture, isn't it? From day one to one day when, when the bride and the bridegroom come together, it's all about dwelling with God. It's why Jesus came. In fact, in John 15, he says, Abide in me as I abide in you. So there's this abiding relationship that it's all about. This, it, we are the temple of God. And God dwells here, which is, which is wonderful. If, we know, if you've ever gone through a Bible reading plan, you know the structure and the precision that the temple was created in, described through many books in the Old Testament. Today, God doesn't dwell in a house made by man. He dwells in us. It's just wonderful. This is God's heart for him to dwell with us. And so as Paul tackles all these different uh, subjects in the book, so sexuality, idolatry, gender, food, uh, divorce, marriage, singleness, all these different subjects which are big and important, which is why we're spending time on them, because they matter, but the reason that they matter is not because it's interesting thoughts. It's because we are the dwelling place of God. And so it matters how we behave. It matters what we think about sexuality, how we think about our bodies, what, what we do with our lives. It's not because we want to have like a certain set of values Oh, it's the Christians. And it, sadly, actually, that's what people think, isn't it? It's Christians, and they have a strict way of living. Now, actually, we are people who love the presence of God. We're people who God has called his temple. And therefore, because of that, because we are now the temple of God, we need to start thinking about the way we use our bodies. We need to start thinking about the way we use our finances. We need to start thinking about these things. They all matter because we are a holy, a set apart people, a people where the presence of God dwells. And at Good First, we have some clear values. Fika in the middle. 11 o'clock fika. It's important. We have other values, right? We have our five Gs. <laughs> I think she's looking at me like, go on, Josh. Okay, we love God. We love Gothenburg. We love gospel. We love the gathering and we love grace. Yeah, We have values, and we love the nations, don't we? Going to the nations. There's many of us who will, in a year perhaps, two years, be living in a different nation. There's people who we have sent. We all know, we can think of beloved family members of this church that now live in different nations. Canada, China, different nations around the world. We, we have a heart for that. We, we love doctrine. We love all of these different things, but there is one thing that we must absolutely pursue. There is one non-negotiable. I'm going to put it out there. Fika 11 is, <laughs> is a negotiable. Are we agreed with that? No, okay. 
Majority of us agreed with that. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, apologies, yeah. Yeah, so there we go. So already you can see there's a um, flaw in this one. There's a flaw in this logic. But there's one thing that we must absolutely pursue and devote ourselves to and actually put above all other things. And that is to be a people who love the presence of God. To be a people who prioritize God's dwelling place. A place where God dwells. And as much as the Israelites got it wrong, if you read their story through the Old Testament, they get it wrong so much. There's one thing they get, got right. As God speaks and says, I'm going to give you a land. I promised your fathers, your forefathers, Abraham, Jacob. I, I, I promised a land. You can have it. Land flowing with milk and honey. You can have it. But I'm not coming with you. The Israelites got this thing right. They said, then we're not going. They understood that a land flowing with milk and honey without the presence of God is worthless. They'd recently been given the commandments. They'll look different to the people. But no, that's not what's going to make them different. Being a people where God dwells is going to make them different. It's going to make them distinct. And they get that right. They say, we're not going unless you go with us. So as we think about all these different subjects, Al served us really well, talking about gender and how we can wrestle with that and work that out. We're going to be looking at uh, the resurrection and all these different subjects that we've looked at. If we get good definitions on them and miss out on being a people where God dwells, then we've missed the point. We've become a legalistic church. Come and follow us, sign up to our 10 rules. Actually, we can have different values and vision and ideas between us, but one thing that we hold on to is that no, we're a place, we're a people where the presence of God dwells. Let's make that a non-negotiable. I've been wrestling with this, I'll be honest. Whether to say one of the church's primary callings is to be a place where the presence of God dwells, or the church's primary calling. But we are a people where the presence of God dwells. Let's prioritize that. Paul prioritizes that. So let's quickly jump in. I'm aware of the time. Apologies. 1 Corinthians, uh, we will read from verse 12. Now about the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I'm sorry, I've got a different um, translation as well. I assume that's maybe ESV. I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Spirit. There were different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each, one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And we'll pause there for a minute, because the first thing I want us to see when answering, well, one of the first things, apart from being a dwelling place and Paul prioritizing it, 
is that gifts are given for the common good. Gifts are given to encourage. Super clear. And so it's important that we hear that common good. They're given, and we're going to read that in um, in chapter 14, many times they're given to build up, build up, build up, build up, to be encouraged. I wonder, is there anyone here who needs to be encouraged today? You put your hands up. There's a couple of people. There's a few people. Quite a few of you have got it sorted, which is great. I definitely need to be encouraged. We encourage one another, which the Bible exalts, by sharing in spiritual gifts, by stepping out in what God has given us. I absolutely love it. And this happened last week, for example, when someone shares something and then someone else afterwards comes up to that person and says, do you know what you shared today was like, life-changing? It was so helpful for me. I love it, and I hear many, many stories of that. What you shared, how you brought a word or a prophecy or a tongue and there was an interpretation, whatever it was, that really encouraged me. That built me up. Spiritual gifts are given for the common Good. And friends, this is where we have a responsibility. At Good First, we really do believe that it's not just about the person preaching or the person hosting or leading worship or whatever it is. We come together to build one another up. We all have responsibility. And so the reality, what that means, is that if we feel that God is speaking to us about something and we don't share it, then actually what we're doing is we're robbing the church of something, of, of a moment of encouragement. And often, f- for me, the reason why I wouldn't share something is because I'm a bit nervous, I'm not sure, I don't want to, maybe if I get it wrong. But actually, in, in that moment, as we say, no, we're not going to share, what happens is someone maybe really needed to hear that. Someone really needed to hear that word from Ezekiel about Jesus, about his radiance, his glory, or whatever it may be. And so I want to encourage you, take responsibility. As you come through the door, in fact, even before you come through the doors, take responsibility for our Sunday morning meetings. We don't put loads and loads of structure in. We have half an hour or perhaps even longer of worship. We don't say, this is the order, these are the Bible verses. No, we wait for what God's going to say. That's where you guys come in. And you come in to help, to encourage, to build up one another. So the gifts are given for the common good. They're given to be given away. You get given a gift, and God says, right, now give that away. Bless someone with that. Encourage someone with that. Friends, please step out in this, because I need encouragement, (laughs) for sure. And I'm sure many of us do. Okay, let's move on. Uh, We go from verse... 11. No, we go from 7. Now, now to each one of these, one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing spirits 
to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one, but of many." Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wants them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Another reason why we bother with spiritual gifts is that they demonstrate the reality that we are one body, that we are one new man in Christ. And so we have different parts, but we all come together as one <coughs> Excuse me, body. And so whatever your background, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, whether you're slave or free, whether you're Welsh or Swedish, <laughs> whether you're Indian, Zimbabwean, Brazilian, whatever your background is, you have been brought into one new man. In Christ. If you were in Christ, you've been brought into one body. And we all have been given diff, different gifts with a unique part to play in that body ministry. So we're not all hands, we're not all feet, we're not all eyes. That would be weird and scary and unhelpful. We're different parts of the body. Some more visible, some less visible. And what Paul goes on to say is actually the ones that are less visible are actually really, really important. That The hands and the, the ones that you can see all the time, they're not so important. They don't keep the body. You could live without a hand. You could live without me. But the ones just behind, the back, in the background, super, super important. So one body, spiritual gifts demonstrate one body. And in the uh, ESV, in verse 6, it's very clear. If you quickly go back to verse 6, you see this word, everyone. Everyone gets gifts from the Spirit. Everyone. Empowers them all in everyone. Can we say everyone? Everyone. Can we say everyone? Well, everyone. 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 Yes, Fundu. Everyone. We've all been given gifts. You, you don't get to sit this one out. I'm sorry. <laughs> If you can say everyone, if you're part of the everyone, you don't get to sit this one out. It demonstrates that, that we've all been uniquely gifted and it demonstrates that we are part of one body. Uniquely gifted, but all part of the same body. This isn't 
Yeah, this is for everyone. It's really important that we hear this. It's not just for the spiritual elite. That's what it was in Corinth. There's a couple just moving around. You know the ones. I'm getting names in your heads now. It's not just for the spiritual elite. It's for everyone. You've all been grafted in. You're all part of the body. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, so, 12.31. So a couple of reasons that I've put, just why bother for spiritual gifts. The latest one is it demonstrates body. Before that, it's encouragement. Before that, it's we are the dwelling place of God. And Paul prioritizes it. But within all that, and thinking about spiritual gifts, then Paul puts this chapter 13 in the middle of 12 and 14. And we're going to read it. Yet, I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, impressive faith, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Love never fails. Love never ends. Having started to unpack the importance of spiritual gifts, how they represent the body, how they encourage, how they a part of being the dwelling place of God. What Paul does is he pulls the rug from underneath the feet of the readers, from underneath our feet, as he just puts this incredible chapter about love in. And this is what he says. If you're doing it all, but you don't have love, don't bother. So if you see yourself as part of the body and you want to encourage, but you're doing it out of a place of wanting to be impressive or to show off, or just to get your point across, then Paul says, just don't bother. You're just like making like a clanging cymbal, a banging gong. It just, it's, just, it's just noise. However good it might sound to you, if it's not done in love, it's just noise. And so this 
here we have the heart of spiritual gifts. And it is a heart of love. So why do we come in on a Sunday morning and think, okay, well, Josh talked about everyone. I think I've got something to bring today. I'm part of the body. I can do it. Why? We do it because we love one another. Because we want to encourage one another. Because we recognize that we need encouragement. We recognize that the world is tough. We recognize that actually we're quite small in comparison to this street alone, <laughs> let alone the rest of Gothenburg or the rest of the nation or nations. We need encouragement. Why do we need encouragement? Why do we want to encourage one another? Because we love one another. This is a practical outworking of love, sharing in spiritual gifts. But it needs to be that way around. We need to have a foundation of love, not a foundation of impressing or just getting my point of view or my gift out of that, out of my mouth kind of thing. And Paul is super helpful, isn't he? He gives seven things that love is and eight things that love is not. And I think that's really, really helpful because we live in a culture that is really confused about love. Okay, you've said, let's have the foundation of love. But what is love, Paul? I think it's a question that we wrestle with, with our culture, and our culture comes out short, really short. There's a very clever man called Lynn manuel Miranda, who is a filmmaker and like musician and singer. He like, produced like Hamilton. Very, very clever man in his early 40s, I think. This is how he defines love. Love is love. 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 It cannot be killed or swept aside. We got that? Good explanation of love. We can all leave here now knowing, yes, this is what love is. It's like that to me paints a picture of the confusion of the culture around this subject. Love is love is love is love is love is love. It can't be killed. What Paul does is he, he paints an incredible picture of what love is. Listen, love is patient. Love is patient. Didn't get it right this time, that's okay. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love's not envious. It's not jealous. It doesn't boast. It isn't proud. That's really helpful when we think about spiritual gifts. If we're doing it from a place of wanting to be seen, then are we doing it from a place of love? It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love rejoices with the truth. Love protects. Love trusts. Love hopes. Love perseveres. And love never fails. Love never ends. It's just not going to end. One day, one day we're going to meet Jesus face to face. And I can promise you, you're not going to need to prophesy. You're not going to need a spiritual gift, a tongue. Anyone got the interpretation? Jesus, you've got the interpretation for that one? We're not going to need spiritual gifts. Because we're going to see Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? 
We're going to see him face to face. And then all these gifts, prophecy, and so it's just going to fade away. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? But love isn't going to fade away as we come face to face with love. Love itself, ultimately patient, ultimately kind, who keeps no record of wrongs. Absolutely beautiful. So the Corinth, as, as, as we come into land, the Corinthians had got too obsessed by themselves. They got too obsessed by their own wisdom and spirituality and their power that they had kind of forgotten the motivation of everything. Actually, the pinnacle, the one thing that won't fail, the one thing that won't end. They were focusing on other things. Friends, as we encourage one another, and we're going to look at this again, we're going to continue with this next week, looking at the practical, how do we do that? As we encourage one another, and as the, whoever's hosting says, right, let's, let's hear from each other, we do it from a place of love. Noreen, as she shared this morning, she did it from a place of love. Look at Jesus. Isn't he wonderful? Yeah, <sighs> he is. That's encouraging. So we step out in gifting because it is an act of love for our brothers and sisters. We go into uncomfortableness because we love our brothers and sisters. Can I, can I invite the band up? So why does Paul insist on the Corinthians pursuing spiritual gifts? Okay, and as I said, we're going to continue looking at this next week. I've not finished, uh, but I just wanted to lay a base answering the question, why do we bother? Yeah, because it would be much easier just to sit here and be entertained. Are you not entertained? Gladiator, for anyone who's seen it. I've not gone crazy. Yes, maybe a little bit. It, we don't come to be entertained. We ask the question, why? Encourage. So we build one another up. <laughs> it demonstrates that we're part of the body. Comes from a base of love. And, it, and it, it's part of us being the temple of God. It's part of us being the dwelling place of God. God speaks to us. God moves amongst us. We hear. Can we stand? In a uh, spoiler, in verse 1 of chapter 14, Paul uses this word, eagerly desire gifts. I think we're just gonna we're just gonna spend a minute just just desiring God. So we're gonna we're gonna worship and I just want us just just to respond to this word by just saying like God I need you. God I want you. And Holy Spirit, we just say, Lord in this room God we thank you that you have made your dwelling place is like here it's just it's beautiful it's crazy it's amazing Jesus because we have been found in you you say now I abide in you, in you. and Holy Spirit we just pray will you fall so just
just going to have a moment now, just asking God, just to, just to encourage us, just to fill us afresh, spirit fall upon us. We're going to sing a song. Nina really helpfully led us last week in just a moment of waiting. So I want to encourage you, just right now, we're just going to wait. Perhaps you want to put your hands out, help you just demonstrate the arms empty, I'm thirsty. Perhaps you just want to do that in a different way, that's fine, there's no pressure. What is important is that you come to God hungry, you come to God thirsty. Jesus said, anyone who thirsts, the Holy Spirit just fall upon us. Would we be a place where your spirit dwells?